Hello, listeners. This is Becky from the Six Podcast of the Year, and we have a great bonus episode for you today. But I wanted to give you a quick heads up. My computer was having a number of sound issues, uh, which means that my audio is not great on this one. And we also quickly cut off at the end when my computer uh, went kaput on me. Um, So I apologize for those issues, but this was a really fun one and we were excited to get back to it. So I wanted to make sure our listeners were able to hear it. Here you go. This is the player I'm going to get mad at you guys about, just so, you know, steal yourself. Failure. You take it very personally. You shame me, guys. You shame me. Uh Uh-oh. Tell me why I'm wrong. So I'm just going with my heart over my head, because my head is stupid anyway. Prepare for total domination. Oh, that's just dumb, though. I've never been proven more wrong in my life so quickly and so dramatically. Guys! (laughs) Guys! (laughs) Welcome back. Yes! (laughs) <laughs> recording the evening of november 22nd it doesn't matter what day it is there's like no games on or anything but we're here we're back we're back yes hooray yeah <laughs> anyway snap wilson i forgot my name along with the becky robococo and mj tolliver sixth part of the year is yes, back sir. just just for this week at least we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff first of all if you guys didn't hear natalia chanwa having a baby having a bobby uh, she announced it. It's her 30th birthday today. Also, happy birthday, Natalie and Chongwa, and congratulations on the new little baby. So, yeah. Happy, 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 happy. Many I things. Know, I think since we last recorded. Huh? I think we probably haven't discussed. It's not the only WMBAB. Um, WMBAB? <laughs> oh, bees. <laughs> yes. We're marketing that. Copyright. WMBABs. Yeah. I don't um, know how to pronounce that. And now? Yep. Yep. That she's pregnant th- as with Skylar Dean Smith. Yeah, we did. We did know about Derica because she announced it during the parade, even mm. though I completely missed it while it happened at the parade. I had to hear about it later. Yes, Derica having Bobby and uh, Skylar has announced her baby. That is two Notre Dame alum that have announced babies. So I think it's a plan. It's a plot of some sort. Big congratulations. Uh, but congratulations to all three soon-to-be moms. May they all be happy and healthy little bobbies and enjoy your rest and you know, take it easy. Okay, we will cheer for you when you are back on the floor. Yay! Yeah, that was great. Okay, what else has happened? So we've had the the women won a gold medal. That, that has happened since we last recorded. That was fun. It was good. Congratulations to them. The 3x3 uh, the three three with Lexi Huell, as the announcer kept saying her name, and... Some other players. I'm very, very enthusiastic right now, and I can't remember anything. Uh, they played. They won the silver medal. Lexi Hull is like a dynamo at three by three basketball. The way it's just absolutely crazy how dominant she was during that whole tournament. I don't think there were. I can't remember. I thought I don't think there were any other WNBA players on her team though. But again, my brain is completely frazzled with us being back and everything. And they let's see. The Indiana Fever won. The WNBA lottery. We will talk a little bit about yes. that. Congratulations yes. to them. Boston to Indiana. Hooray. And, 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 and what else? The college basketball season started. And there's some exciting things that have happened there. That's interesting. And we will talk about that. And perhaps most WNBA related, we have had four, four coaching changes. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. Four coaching changes. That's wild. Oh, actually five. Five coaching changes. 
since we have last talked, we will get into that and talk about that. But first, it's been it's been a minute. So I just want to ask how you guys, what you guys have been doing, how you've been, what have you been up to? Becky, why don't you start? Oh, what have I been up to? I am now a proud DePaul women's basketball season ticket holder. Hey, Anisha Mara, whoop. Yes, Anisha Marvin has been crushing it. Sadly, she's not distributing her rebounds properly, so she's not on double-double streak right now, but I'm I'm thinking she'll get back on track. She's still averaging a double-double, so we'll see. And uh, sure, that's all my news. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Michael, talk to us. What you been up to? I've been covering the Pistons for our, our team. Just the just just the Twitter page, and and it's, it's oh, okay. It's hectic. It's hectic because like I, I have to do it right now too. <laughs> oh, all right. Are they playing right yeah, now? Just just score updates and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Eh, you can just, wait. You can wait until after the pod. It's fine. Getting my feet. Everybody wet. knows what the score is. They can just look it up on ESPN. It's it's yeah. It's, it's okay. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I have been doing nothing. Well, no, that's not true. I've been cleaning my house. I've been cleaning my house and watching a lot of Japanese wrestling. That's been basically it. My wife went on a, a little mini vacation for a few weeks and that gave me a lot of time to like move crap around and make a giant mess in the purposes of making things for the purposes of making things better. So that's what I've been doing and working that kind of thing. So yeah, that's my life. And yeah, now I'm watching some women's college basketball. Uh, there are way too many teams. I don't like that. There are so yes. many teams and yes. there are so many games. <laughs> And when you're like, okay, I'm going to follow 20 players for the upcoming WNBA draft. And that's just, it's too much. It's too many games. It's too many teams. They're playing like little sister Mary of the poor school. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's who South Carolina itself. I forget who they're playing right now, but I was watching for a second. <sighs> they're on ESPN right now. So are they? Yeah. They're probably yeah. like playing like some school we've never heard of or something. Yeah, I don't it's know. like nobody in the crowd compared to what it was like. Weren't they With just us? in Connecticut? Yeah, the standard yeah, game. Nothing like it. Nothing like well, it. Well, <laughs> we're we're before the conference right. schedule, so now it's like it's teams are playing whoever agrees to play them, and like some of them are choosing to play. Yeah, they just want the like the TV appearance, and that gets them some cash and whatever. Yeah, I understand. It's just it's really hard, especially if you're like like trying to follow along and trying to take a look and, and get like a real feel for for the players and they're they're just like they're playing against p players who are so overmatched in most of these games so they're playing like four or five games and you've got like maybe one game against another athlete that is even in the same zip code it's it's really hard to tell anything at this point but i it, well the conference schedule will, will kick up and we'll we'll get to see a little bit more of that. I don't I don't need to watch very many South Carolina games to realize that Alia Boston is going to be a huge, huge star. So beyond that, it is my impression of watching and paying attention to 2023 potential WNBA draftees is I'm really, really, I'm oh, sorry, 2022 WNBA draftees. I'm really excited for the 2023 and 2024 draft. Oh my God. <laughs> Cameron Brink. An AZ fight. Oh my God. Jeez. Cameron yeah. Brink is she she was the like lifeline for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I know we'll get into it. We'll, so. we'll get into that. Yeah. Like the the upcoming, the upcoming drafts are just those are the players that that constantly catch my eye. It is is not 
necessarily all the players this year. There have been some very, very good performers, but it's just the the upcoming drafts are just like, oh, they have me so excited. Anyway, speaking of the the WNBA draft. So yeah, the first round, number first number number one pick, Indiana Fever, number two, Minnesota Lynx, number three, the Atlanta Dream. And number four, Washington Mystics. So obviously very, very good news for the Indiana Fever getting the prize pick in the draft. How are we feeling about the rest of it in terms of, do you think that two through four is a crapshoot or are we looking at Haley Jones and we're saying Haley Jones is, is definitely, a, should be considered a cut above everybody else. Uh, and that it is a, maybe a two player draft or is it just like we, we see enough potential and possibilities going down the list. Let me start with you, Becky. I feel like draft scouting is a much different skill and I'm not even very skilled at WNBA analysis as it is. So Mm -hmm. I'm not totally sure. (laughs) Ward on the street is Haley Jones is likely going number two. Probably a lot about Diamond Miller at Maryland. She's got a clearly just like an instant offense kind of player. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like she's kind of maybe a little turnover prone, but that can be worked. I've been, I've been following the big East just as a conference more. And so I'm very high on Maddie Segrist. Yep. Who's got a very versatile offensive game. She's kind of an all level scorer. Who's got good height and seems like a good kind of all around talent. So I'm excited about her. But yeah, I'm not sure what the, I don't know what the GMs of the WNBA are thinking. Yeah, mostly I started with uh, throughout the season too, besides the Aaliyah Boston of it all. Right. The Aaliyah Boston is, is the, the price pick. It is, it is basically essentially a one person draft, but I hopefully there, there looks like there's potential at the top to, to get some real impact players. Michael, how are you feeling about the, when, when I say 2023 WNBA draft, what, what immediately comes to your head? Well, of course, Aaliyah Boston and Haley Jones. That's like, that's, you know, that's, cemented but i'm like gming for the indiana fever i'm sure Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) of course and i've been scouting around and without knowing what their roster is going to look like going into the next season is where i mean of course i would take Leah boston because you know she's the obvious number one pick i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't think to move her or pick otherwise although indiana has other needs in order to to be impactful next season. And I'm not sure that she feels those needs at all. Well, maybe the rebounding side and like some of the field, like, cause I, I have like a lot of their just faults wrote down right here in my notes and mm-hmm. it's, it's atrocious. So <laughs> Aaliyah won't be enough, but I would take her first, but I have been looking at players specifically for them. And <clears throat> The two that I've been looking at is Elizabeth Kitley and Grace Berger. Really? Yeah. So and Grace, they, they, they are very, very big, heavy though. Uh, yeah, in, this in is, that right. Yeah, right. And they're, they're, this is going to lead into my next question: is if if you're Lynn Dunn, try and try and put yourself in that picture, and you know you have Aliyah coming in, you got an Alyssa Smith. Yeah. Are do you, are you looking maybe? Uh, to no to no trade high on somebody like no queen eggbo or oh no i don't want to trade queen i can't do it. Okay. i knew you was going there <laughs> i'm I just no. i'm asking questions no she's <laughs> got to come off the bench we need her because if somebody goes down then boom she's inserted right back into the starting lineup and 
the next they have a second round pick, correct? I, or, I could or, not tell you. I'm yeah, not, I'll look at. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, they need to drive Grace Berger immediately. Hmm. Like, I'm not sure if she'll get drafted by the time they get their next pick, but they need her bad. Tell us about what you think Grace Berger's like contributions to the team would be. She is going to bring, well, they, they already play at the second highest pace, which, which was surprising to me. They played the second highest pace only to the aces, which is like, what? And they have, they have decent three-point shooters, like, but they don't have, who, who do I have here? I, yeah, Kelsey Mitchell, mm-hmm. Melissa Smith, of course, and Destiny is, you know, she, she pitches in from three, but yep. they need improvement. So I was thinking, and, and most of it is just by volume because they weren't really shooting threes. The, the, the next people I'm going to name, and that's, of course, Emily Inkster, Tiffany Mitchell, mm-hmm. Emma Cannon, and what about Victoria, Victoria was, but she wasn't, she was like super high volume, like volume shooting threes. Like, because she was basically the go-to after, you know, they had injuries and whatnot. So if she can improve her clip, then you can insert Grace Berger into that. She's going to bring that pace and just that give that gives them like a, a clear like ball handler for me anyway. That's that's how I see it. And instead of relying on Kelsey Mitchell and uh, who who's also running the ball with her Robinson. So, yeah, I, I just think you insert Grace into that and let her just take over. But I have looked at some things about her and, you know, her three point shooting isn't the greatest, at mm-hmm. least not by volume but it it'll be there with all of those bigs and then they could just play inside out and just see what happens just and then i'm i'm anticipating that the team grows if they keep a majority of them together you know they'll have some continuity going into the next season so yeah that would be my pick it would be either Aaliyah boston kitley and then burger but of course it's going to be Aaliyah boston then if you get her go get go get a grace burger quickly quick fast hurry <laughs> okay <laughs> seriously seriously and then if if i may you know uh-huh. i have to do this every time if you're looking for three-point shooting you know who you should go get who should you go get mj lexi brown oh my god <laughs> <laughs> we're not even talking well, about i know how, wait i want to look how, how far did we make it we made it uh, 20 minutes before the first lexi brown <laughs> yeah yeah mention had to throw that out there. <laughs> I do want to go back to your question, Snap, about trading Queen, because I uh-huh. think it's an interesting one. I, I think Melissa Smith and Aaliyah Boston are like a pretty terrifying young front court, I believe mm-hmm. front court. But I would worry about having, you know, the backup to your rookie big is your sophomore big, and you have another, you know, sophomore big that I Yeah, your fourth it's it's four really young big players and i'm wondering if you could at least leverage queen into maybe a a solid guard sort of player is is what i was thinking and i think there would be value in bringing in a veteran big to be the backup to be some sort of guidance right you kind of have your entire front court are all young you have a little bit of the blind leading the blind now obviously they're all very very skilled players but the leap to the WNBA is a leap. And I think, you know, they would benefit by having a, a veteran big around. And I think Queen would have a fair amount of value. She's a cheap contract and really showed a lot of promise last season. Uh, yeah. yeah, the return would, I think the return would have to be very, very solid before before I considered letting her go. Because I do think she has a lot of potential 
anyway, and I have a question for you, Snap. For sure. Who who are you targeting if you trade uh, Queen Egbo? Who you, I don't who know. Do you think I, I, I have okay. I have no idea. It really kind of kind of depends on on the way some some certain contracts, whether some players restricted free agents, are decided to cap. I think that's an area that the the fever can potentially jump in and maybe grab a, a player and pay a little above market value for the next couple of seasons because there are they're pretty cheap contracts right now as it stands. So. If you're gonna if you're gonna go ahead and grab somebody decent, they, they might have an I, I opportunity to just poach somebody. I think we're gonna see a lot of that actually with the way that that the rookie scale contracts escalate. We may see a bunch of trades for 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 players or teams who overpaid third and fourth year players, and then find out that the salary doesn't quite mesh or fit. And we may see some young players moved um, uh, because of that. So that'll be very very interesting. And the Fever as as a young team. It doesn't really have any commitments or large salaries beyond, I think, this year. I think Danielle Robinson is the final final year of her, her deal is coming up. And then beyond that, it's just Kelsey Mitchell is the only other big earner, and you obviously want to hang on to her. But everybody else is is young, rookie contracts. You can have a lot of cap space to play around with. I'm very, very high on, on the fever going into this upcoming season, and it is not just the Aaliyah Boston effect. I've been watching some Melissa Smith overseas. She's looked like she has put in a lot of freaking work. And uh, I have a feeling she may be a player who makes takes a big, big jump next year, especially playing somebody next to like somebody like Boston who will demand a lot of attention. So, Come to the dark side, Snap. Come to the dark side. Baby, I'm halfway there. Let's go. <laughs> I'm halfway there. I can't see out of half of my face. That's how in the dark side I am. <laughs> no, so some getting back to the the NCAAs, I've been paying attention to to a few teams in obviously Boston Jones, who I think if she goes to Minnesota, what a great fit that is. She she will slide in perfectly into that little small forward slot. I am a little worried about her shooting. It has been kind of inconsistent in college up to this point, and she's not off to a great start this season. But everything else looks like it is WNBA quality player, solid starter type material. And the passing is for her position is really, really next level. So that fits in very well with kind of what they have since they don't have a lot of playmakers. Currently, having somebody like her will really, really open up the floor for players like McBride and Collier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The two other players that have caught my eye this early in the season is Diamond Miller, who's looking just freaking great as far as I can see. She looks like I, I got a, watched a bit of her, gathered gathered a bunch of as many YouTube clips as I could find of of her playing last year, and she just looks like she's just made strides upward all over the place. And then the other one who I'm very, very excited about, and I hope I have the name right, is Charisma Osborne. I think that's her name. Yes. Yep. Uh, UC UCLA. Point guard. UCLA is crazy good, too. Yeah. The, the knock on her was can't finish. Folks, she is shooting... 73rd percentile points per possession or 85th percentile points per possession, 73rd points per shot attempt. She looks like she's finishing just fine and everything else is really great. She like rebounds insanely well for a guard passing is 90 in the 90th percentile thereabouts. She is, she just, she just looks like she's off to a phenomenal start and 
I'm very, very excited. If if she's cleaned up the 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 finishing aspects of her game, everything else looks good. Offense, defense, the works. I'm very, very excited to see how she progresses throughout the season. And you know, if she keeps it up, like where she is at the next level. She's really, really good. All right. Yeah. So any other NCAA thoughts currently? No? All right. I have I have none. Okay. Brother. Let us move Go on. Go blue demons. Go blue demons. <laughs> Anisha Morrow, baby. Killing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um, just do a brief overview of her stats. Number oh, yes. one in points, 31.5 yep. points per game. I believe number 10 in rebounding, just over 10 rebounds a game. Number 12 in steals, number 14 in blocks. Just like across the board, doing it all. She's got to get her free throw percentages up. Yep. I will admit that, but she's doing everything for that team. It's pretty incredible to watch. Go Anisha tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's going to be killing it all. How, you know, if she three, three or four years, however long she continues to play there. And uh, yeah, looking great. Off to a tremendous start to her. And I did career. confirm with Eric Nemchok, mm-hmm. who was at the DePaul game with me this weekend, that Anisha Moore was definitely a lock for the WNBA. So, yeah. <laughs> Wheat. How many years does she have to put in right now? Two more. Yeah, she's a sophomore. So okay, it's crazy because she's doing all of this as a sophomore. <laughs> yeah. So she still has time to develop. Well, Eric is smarter than all of us put together, so I trust him. All right, NBA coaches. We have some five new names, or four new names. One old name who has moved on to a different team. Uh, Kurt Miller. It turns out he was playing for his job. <laughs> the WNBA finals <laughs> last year and he has moved on to the Los Angeles Sparks. This is probably the easiest one to at least have an opinion on. I'm less interested though from how he'll fit in with the Sparks. I think he's a good coach overall. How the Connecticut Sun would fare without him. Because I think it's a very very unusual team and I don't think that it is it, it, it's an easy team to step into. Granted, they 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 made I, I at least my my pr- impression was that if they were going to replace him, they would have to replace him with a veteran, and they definitely did that. But we'll 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 get to her in a bit. But Kurt Miller to the Sparks. How are we feeling about that? Lexi Brown's biggest fan, Michael. Why don't you tell us how you feel about Kurt Miller going to the Los Angeles Sparks? I just want to know what the construction of the roster would be really Mm -hmm. because coming from Connecticut, what does he have to work with? Yep. Because, because what Zoe is coming back, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of wondering how that will go over because they kind of did her dirty with the expansion. Yeah. And now she has, if she comes back, this is the thing. If she comes back, they, they have non-restrictive rights to her, which means they can just sign her to a minimum deal which would suck. It was really, it's really, really a horrible rule. And the, the way that they enacted it, like the, the same thing happened with Gabby Williams, but, but Chicago traded her and Gabby Williams wound up getting a decent salary from the signing for a decent amount of money from the Sparks. So I'm wondering if they're going to, you know, give Zowie B the same courtesy and they're not going to like keep her around at a, a minimum salary or something. And she may not even be interested. She may not even want to come back if that's the case. I can I can definitely see that being a possibility. Although she did like tweet a lot that she really was like missing the WNBA and she wanted to play and blah, 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 blah. So 
I mean, we'll see. I don't know. It's the way that the way that it was handled. She may not. She may be like, and nah, I'm done in L.A. Just send me somewhere else type of deal. So we'll see. And then what I mean, about it the... may be. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead, Becky. I was just gonna, I, think... I was just going to throw the I, with McKay sisters out there. But go ahead. Yeah, I just think with one last thought on AZB is, you know, it may be helpful <laughs> to have a new regime, right? That Derek Fisher, yep. who was responsible, the decision is no longer there, that then Kurt Miller can talk to her, right? And try to convince her like, sorry, you were screwed over. We admit you're screwed over, but you're with me now and we won't do that. That's sort yeah, of- Yeah, I hope they do right uh, by her. I hope so Go too. On. I mean, she's, yeah. we love her. We love her. We love AZP. Go ahead, <laughs> oh, so just the same thing. Just what, what what's the, gonna be the roster construction? Because who was that, like, hugging him? Was that Cheney or was that NECA? I forget. They, like, had pictures and everything. So it, uh, it, oh, with, oh, with Kurt? Yeah, I think so. I don't know, actually. I would imagine it would be Cheney since she played for him before. But she also kind of left Connecticut on a on a little bit of a sour note. Like, there was there was a little a little bickering out the door. She basically forced her way out and was totally happy to retire if they did not send her to LA. But my understanding is she wants to stay in it's LA or bust for her because Los Angeles is where her other career, more lucrative career is with ESPN. Right. So I don't think she wants to leave. And you know, they could be just water under the bridge as far as that that's concerned. So well we shall see. Yeah. Because I that's all I'm really concerned about. Just the roster construction. Cause if he's going in there and LA can't get anybody, then I don't I don't know if it'll go well. It'll be basically another rebuild for them. They're one of the worst teams too. Like all of the stuff I have listed for um Indiana, LA's down there too for a lot of things. Not as much as Indiana, but they're down there. So looking at it protected salary wise, oh Christie's done. She's she's unrestricted. So she's she's already out. Her contract is over. Everybody's contract is over. What am I even looking at? So it's just Amanda yeah. Zaribi again under that suspended contract extension situation. And then Katie Lou at 130K. Well, they can afford it. Kennedy Carter is a restricted free agent. And and then everybody else is unprotected or or rookie deals that that don't necessarily need to be protected. Yeah, that that's a really good question. Is is who's coming back? And I, I have a feeling that Neca and Chene will be back. I, I don't. Everybody kind of like has dreams of Neca playing somewhere else. I gotta make sure I say her name right and not the what terrible way I've been saying it all along. But yeah, beyond that, it's it's really wide open as to how this team could look. So Lexi's unrestricted. Yep. Unrestricted free agent. Yep. That's why I said, that's why I said Andy, let her go to Andy. (laughs) She might get that guaranteed contract she's been waiting on. Okay. So aside from, aside from Kurt, oh, Becky, do you have any thoughts on Kurt in Los Angeles? My final thought is thank you, Los Angeles, for hiring Kurt Miller, because if Candace Parker comes back, which she says she's going to now, Uh I don't, I think it's less likely that you'll want to play for him. So yeah, I don't think I, I never thought she would leave <laughs> Chicago if she came back and she said she's coming back. So. So, yeah, of course, knock on wood or any sort of other natural material around. But I think this helps. This helps Chicago. So, yeah, <laughs> great hire. Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Hey, well done. Well done, Sparks. 
Okay, moving on. The probably the the one with the most track record that is is left beyond Kurt is Stephanie White, who was an assistant at a really good, really good player with, or I should say, career college basketball player with the Purdue Boilermakers. She went one year, led the the entire NCAA in scoring. That's kind of nuts. And uh, she was National College Player of the Year. She went on to be an assistant under Lynn Dunn for for the Indiana Fever. And then she took over as head coach in 2014, I believe, and, or 2015. And that year they, they went, made it all the way to the WNBA finals. And then the next year they finished at 500, lost in the first round. Then she went on to coach Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt Commodores, and didn't really have a great record there, 35.7 winning percentage. But, you know, she kept her job for four years, so they, they must have liked something about it. She's been on ESPN and has done some announcing duties and this and that. And now she is coming in to take control of the Connecticut Sun. I don't have any particular thoughts on this. I, like I said, I just thought it was a very good idea to get a veteran coach for this team. But uh, does anybody know anything more about Stephanie White than I do? No. That's a big fat no. All right. <laughs> no. Let's look at this from I do not. Another, pers- another perspective. Because I've heard this I've heard this said about, about Connecticut that, oh, she's coming in with a closing window for for a championship team, a closing championship window that they're they're like like she's joining a team on the decline. Just looking around, I don't really see that. They have for one thing, they have like something that a lot of other teams don't have, which is they have an MVP candidate player who still and is not expected to like all of a sudden, you know, degenerate anytime soon. And then they have somebody who is very nearly in that strata. So they have Junkwell Jones, right? And Junkwell is 28 years old. And I don't think Junkwell Jones is going to be getting any worse. And the the weirdest thing about Junkwell Jones' career has been Kurt Miller's decisions about how much to play her throughout her career with having a getting second team all WNBA in 2017 and then suddenly coming off the bench with Chene's return in 2018 and only playing 20 minutes a game. That was my first, like, what the hell is going on question that I ever had in my WNBA fandom is like, why is John Quill Jones only playing 20 minutes a game? I remember tweeting that at at Rachel Galligan and she's like, you know, I don't really know. (laughs) I I don't understand it. So there you go. It was just, it was a bizarre decision. And then it was, it was just made absolutely worse by the fact that John Quill Jones in her 20 minutes a game was clearly outplaying, you know, Chanae wasn't bad. I think she made the all-star team in 2018, but but Junkwell Jones was clearly like the better permanent player that season. Chene got injured towards the end of the year, came back and was absolutely terrible. Just to, had, had not recovered from her injury. And then, but he kept starting her anyway. And then they bombed out in the first round against the Phoenix Mercury. That was a weird decision. Last, last season was also a very weird decision. It was kind of made a little more understandable by Brianna Jones being so good. But at the same time, I don't know why you are playing 20 John Quill Jones, like 26 minutes a game. It, may, it never made any sense to me. So I think the freedom from, from Kurt Miller is probably a good thing for her. I imagine Brianna Jones is probably headed somewhere else. So she is probably going to get a lot more playing time. That kind of clears one thing up, but they have her, they have Alyssa Thomas, who is what, 29 or 30? She's 30. Yeah. She's 30 years old. I don't think she's She's, you know, in the decline phase yet. And she's really good. She's an all WNBA caliber player. They, the, the problem that they have is the problem that they've always had is they, they need a good shot creator out of the backcourt who can, who can free up room 
for these players. And that's not necessarily, you know, it, that isn't an ind indicative of a window closing or anything. That's just a need that they have that they, that they haven't been able to get yet. But if you look at the history of this team, they are within one game of winning the championship in 2019, within one game of making the WNBA finals in 2020, they were the best team. And I think we were all kind of thinking, or at least most of us were thinking that they were going to win it all before the playoffs started in last year or in 2021 rather. And then they made the finals this year. This is a championship caliber team that is just missing one key component that coaching doesn't necessarily change that, but I don't think it's a declining team. I think it is, is definitely a championship caliber team is, is that, am I wrong about that? Becky? No, I, I agree with that. I don't totally see the window closing thing. I mean, you, you could argue that the window got less, <laughs> got <laughs> less open. That's not, but like Brianna Jones is likely out the door. Like they have their last year of, they just had their last year of having Brianna Jones on a cheap contract, mm -hmm. which is a big piece they're losing. And the only, the only aspect of its closing, I guess, I don't know about the contracts for the other, for like John Quill Jones and Alyssa Thomas, they're two superstars, is, you know, Dewana Bonner is getting older. Yeah. But I don't think she is the key. I don't think she is the like, you know. Right. Know, and and then the moment what, she comes what off. What number like, of player she is? Is she like the third best player of the team? The fourth best player of the team? Like, I don't think she is the linchpin to their success, right. even though she's a really good player. So I just don't, I, I think they still, like you said, JJ and Alyssa Thomas are both still young. They're both very, very talented players. I think a new coach could unlock more in JJ. I mean, she's already been MVP, but we, you talked about the minutes issues and figuring out how to utilize her best. Like, I don't see how it's closing the season of all seasons. Yeah. I still think they're going to be very good. I still yeah. don't want to have this guy to have to go through them again. So. Me too. Michael, what about you? The lie detector test determined that that was a lie. <laughs> the, the window the window just needed to be resealed that's all all right and it was just it was just a little sideways it was just you know off the hinges a little bit but it's it's nowhere near close and i think john quill jones was in the running for defensive player of the year and mvp so i don't even know where that's coming from yeah it's uh, it's kind of silly yeah all right moving on we will get to a a coach i don't know very, very much about. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and read her her CV a little bit, or at least what I'm seeing on ESPN.com. Christy Sides, new coach of the Indiana Fever. The she's been a lot of places. Is basically what what I've what I've come up with is she's coaching stops include an assistant head coach, associate head coach, or assistant for the University of Louisiana Monroe, the Fever in 2018 and 2019, the Chicago Sky, whoop whoop, Northwestern, LSU. Spartak Moscow region and the Slovakian women's national team. She's been everywhere, man. She's worked on the staff of former collegiate WNBA head coach Pokey Chapman as part of the fever as well as, oh, because she's, she's like a Koki, uh, Pokey like favorite, it looks like, because she's, she's kind of followed her around a little bit. Becky, do you have any recollection or thoughts about Christy Sides? I unfortunately do not. Okay. I, I hope it works out for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, uh, we do know that she wants the team to play defense. Everybody comes in, they have the they, new coaches say one or two things. The team is going to play really focused and play good defense or 
this team is going to be exciting to watch, which I think is what they say when they know that the team is not going to play good defense. But is she going to make sure they play with pace? Because that's very important to me. That yeah. is very important. I agree. Yeah. They got young legs. Yeah. They got to they gotta <laughs> make the most of that. Uh, Michael, have you done any research on, on your new favorite team's new head coach? No, I haven't. Oh, dear I God. did congratulate them, but I was so uh, just excited about the number one pick. I didn't really dive into that. Yeah, I, I will give a shout out to Howard Megdal, who who uh, titled his his podcast interview of her with choosing sides. That was good. It made me laugh. All right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. We have the new head coach of the Dallas Wings. Latricia or Latricia? Latricia. Latricia Trammell. Yeah, she has been an assistant head coach with the Los Angeles Sparks for I think the past four years or so now, and she has been the one that has been often credited with their defense. They did play some really really good defense up until last year, and then they did not play some really really good defense. So she is obviously a defensive minded coach. She's going to be taking over the wings. The Yay. All right. It's good. I think it's a good uh, thing that, that, that Vicky's that Vicky is not there because it, it just doesn't seem like we talked about this on our, yeah, our on the last episode. one. Yeah. So yeah. Good luck to you. Latrice Chamel. Yeah, we have yeah. heard her name a lot whenever a new WNBA position comes up. So, you know, she's been on people's radar. Good luck to her. I hope it works out. I think she's a good fit for the wings. I'm excited yeah. about the tire. You know, I think the wings have a couple key players that could be playing a little more defense. And maybe she'll make them do that. I think that could be a big improvement there. And I have been, I don't really know anything about these things. I just read that she is the, she is the brains behind the Sparks defense, which not this past season hasn't been very, was very good, but has historically been pretty good. And that Mm. she's got really rave reviews from her players and other coaches. And so she seemed to be someone that was due an opportunity and I'm excited for it. Yeah. I think the wings are the wings for the last few years have just been a team where I'm like, I'm excited to see whatever the wings are going to do. They're gonna be fun. <laughs> and I think this could be a, this could be a good fit. They need somebody who can exercise whatever bad mojo it is that is plaguing Satu Sapoli and get her, get her on a healthy right track again. That is, that is the key. Number one thing. She needs to not play for her home team. That's what it is. Yeah. All right. She needs and then to sit it out. she doesn't. Oh, wow. You think that she needs uh, uh, to play somewhere else? She needs to sit down for that time because she always plays into the Olympics. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, well, the entire. If she makes a choice. You know, it's, I, I don't think it's going to be the WNBA. I think she's she's going to play for her home team. Yeah. And so. that's that's why that's where I kind of catch her the most, I would say, because yeah. when she comes to the wings is like she plays two or three games and then she's out and she's already missing the first like five anyway. And then, you know, then she. She's dealing with injuries, so if you want to see her healthy, you got to watch her overseas. Yeah, yeah. She always seems to like when she gets back over there. It's like, ah, oh, feel much better. <laughs> this is, this yeah, is great. and and play much greater. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I still, I'm still holding out hope. All right, and finally, we get to the the Washington Mystics, where Mike Tipo has decided to step away from being a coach and move up to the front office, and. Uh, per the laws of Confederate male partition, his son is taking up the throne, <laughs> you know, and 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 Mike says it's not te- nepotism. I agree. This is just the rule of the land here in 1023, right? It, you, your son takes over 
your WNBA team. If you had a second team, then the second son would get that. And, and the daughters are married off to other WNBA coaches. So you can form an alliance. That's just, that's just how it works. That's called wealth generation. That's what that's called. <laughs> so wait, Becky, I know you had a RoboCoco rant. Did it, did it happen to involve this? Yes, it did. Yes, I knew it. Okay, I well, knew it. I knew it. I don't it. have anything I to say it. about him, so let her go off. Oh no, I have yeah. plenty to say, but you know, I made my joke that I wanted to make, and all you medieval <laughs> historians out there can can please tweet at us and tell me that you thought it was really funny. But the floor is yours. I hate this so much, <laughs> and I've hated it in anticipation so much for years now because he has been groomed for this role by his dad. Yep. And listen, I've seen a lot of people write and speak about Mike Tebow's legacy, you know, someone who's been very committed to the women's game, talk very favorably about Eric Tebow's character and qualities as a coach. And I'm not going to say that they're, those things aren't true, but a WNBA team is not a family business. It's not a family business to be passed down to your son. And the reality of the situation is Eric may be perfectly qualified for this job. I bet he is. The players speak very highly of him. He is qualified because his dad allowed him to be qualified. His dad gave him this opportunity and skipped over all sorts of other individuals who also love basketball, who also can't wait for the shot, who also are eager to learn, who also have all the skills and intelligence to do it. And he gave those opportunities to his son. And his son continued to take those opportunities and got better. And now he's giving the job to his son. And I think it's gross. (laughs) I think this is part of Mike Tebow's legacy. He's done a lot for the women's game and that's great. But he also treated the women's game and the women's team like a family business that can be passed down to his son. And I just like really think it should not be treated as a heartwarming story because it's it's so common. I'll tell you, I'm a lawyer. I'm a corporate lawyer. I deal with a lot of small mid-sized businesses in the amount of times I'm on a phone call with the vice president of the company and he goes oh let me just check with my dad about this like this is really (laughs) common it is really common that that white men pass their businesses pass their jobs down to their sons and for a lot of these small businesses it's kind of like an ownership thing right (laughs) like actually pass on the ownership to their sons and you know this is why we focus on removing like stopping to look at let's not look at salary histories anymore because men get more and particularly white men get more opportunities, get higher salaries early on. If that continues on, the inequalities grow. And so if men, white men keep passing the jobs down to their sons, it just fortifies that structure. And I know it's just like one job, whatever. And Mike Tebow has done many other good things for women's basketball, but I like, I just hate the situation. (laughs) And I I there were more people commenting on how like, this isn't really how we should be treating these jobs. And that is my RoboCoco rant. Yeah, no, 100% agreed. And I would like to throw a couple of comments from the, first of all, let's look at how this was reported. When you look up Eric Tebow, SB Nation, Mystics bet on continuity with Eric Tebow as head coach. Clutch points, Eric Tebow reveals goals for 2023 as he follows his father's footsteps. Washington Mystics, Eric Tebow to coach. Dad, Mike Tebow moves to GM. And then 
here's some actual quotes from the articles. I, I can actually I just Google nepotism in here. <laughs> Because I think that it was like, but not, you know, it's not nepotism. I've been preparing him for this for a long time. And I think he's the right man for the job is, is kind of the, the gist of it. I was going to highlight that because it just, it just jumped out to me as being so funny. But here's, here's my favorite. It is, uh, after a lifetime of following his dad to practices, this is from the bulletsforever.com article on this. I, I, by Gabe, our our good friend, Gabe Ibrahim. After a lifetime of following his dad to practices, Eric followed Mike into coaching during college. Eric did not originally go to school with coaching in mind, but Mike said he knew Eric would be a good coach when he spent his summer break from the University of Missouri working with Mike's Connecticut Sun team. I had thought at one time about trying to talk him out of coaching, and that didn't go real well. You didn't try that hard, Eric quickly corrected. Eric joined the Mizzou basketball program as a practice player, then graduate assistant. He worked for Kim Barnes Arico at St. John's. This is the last job he will have that is not for Mike Tipo. As a grad assistant before his first full assistant coaching job at VCU, 2012-2013. Then he joined Mike Staff in Washington the following season. Mike says he talked to a couple of players. He coached Asia Jones and Carol Lawson. How do you think hiring my son will work? They said, you're crazy if you don't hire him. He's going to be great. And they were right. (laughs) <laughs> so I have a I agree about these and the framing of these. I actually pulled this out. <laughs> you can keep laughing. It's fine. Um, uh, from a, <laughs> I pulled this out from an article from Kareem Copeland, the Washington Post. And mm-hmm. listen, I think Kareem Copeland does great work. Yes. Uh, also, Gabe Ibrahim does great work. Yes. They, this is I not a like how they frame Gabe at all. These stories, but like whatever and they said one of the things in this article that convinced mike is that he was writing eric's he was reading eric's thesis which was about basketball and he got 60 pages in and he had written it so well and about basketball that he said quote no i get why he wants to coach his writing was good enough to convince me just reading it that he loved the game so i stopped trying to talk him out of it and it's like sure i'm sure you're like good good he really loves the coach really loves the thing but it's he like, loves it you were only reading his stupid thesis because you're his dad. It's Did you read anybody thesis. else's My thesis, thesis, Mike? Was, yeah. <laughs> anyone else's thesis, I'm really feeling like I feel their love of the game. <laughs> loves the game a whole bunch. Loves it. Like, Absolutely I'm glad it's a good dad. It. I love my dad. I think it's great that they have a great <laughs> Oh, Oh, boy. Yeah, they did not interview. He did not interview anybody else. They did not interview anybody else for this position. They just... It's it's Eric. Eric is ready. I think Carly works within Carly Tebow, uh, works within the Mystics organization, if I'm also not mistaken, in some capacity or another. Wealth so, generation. It is just it's it's the family <laughs> business now. The Washington Tebows. <laughs> Everybody making money over there. It's just like, yeah, you you get a check. Uh, you get a check. <laughs> you get a check. I am. And I'm sure, you know, they're all lovely people. I know, I think it's Carly's husband is Blake Dudonis, who is is absolutely a wonderful Twitter follow. And he seems like a, a stand-up human being. And just, it's, you know, it's. I'm sure they're wonderful people. It, you're absolutely right in that it just, this is just, has real a real aura of impropriety about it. And I am vehemently against just giving... You know, unless you're like, you know, a restaurant or something and 
you know, learning the family business in this way. This is not a, a family business thing where you have the secret recipe for coaching the, the Washington the Washington Mystics, just like handed down from generation to generation. The Tebos, the Tebos know how to coach the Washington Mystics. It's just uh, I don't know. They also promote a lot from within for four players like Latoya Sanders is is now within the organization. I think a couple of other players are are also former players also have jobs within the organization. So that's cool. I mean, at least they're hiring WNBA players. But yeah, Maria Gian Giovanetti and Latoya Sanders, who are who have also kind of come up with the organization in, in capacities. Giovanetti was a director of youth program and she's now senior VP. Latoya Sanders is a assistant coach to the associate head coach. And obviously she was a tremendous player. I still miss her. She was a great player. So it's it's kind of, you know, keeping it in with people that he doesn't know. And maybe that's just the way that he works. But yeah, it is, uh, like I said, it really has an aura of, you know, we need to protect ourselves against the Vikings and therefore all the landowners within the realm of the Washington Mystics must vote for my child. Yeah. So that's it. Good luck to Mike in his, his moving upstairs. Good luck to Eric. He really was. I, I don't I think he probably holds the record for most technicals from an assistant coach that I've ever seen. So I'm really hoping that he will he will fulfill my dream of being the first WNBA coach that I've ever seen ejected from a game. I, I will forgive the hiring if he makes that dream come true for me. They got you tickled. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really just like you're just reading about it. It's it's not it's not even just that. It's just the way that it's been reported on that nobody has kind of stepped up and said, you know what? This doesn't this doesn't sit right. Everybody's just like, okay, not nepotism, right? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> sure. I don't know. That's why we're here. We're here to shake things up and and point the fingers that other other podcasts refuse to point. So that's it for the sixth podcast of the year for myself, Robococo, for Snap Wilson, for MJ Tolliver. We will catch you next time. Peace out.